Mana 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 this is social discasting welcome to social discasting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is a producer and writer on such self shows as briar patch you're the worst comedy bang bang amongst others as well as a travel hound a magic themed and a gaming nut please welcome eva anderson welcome hey thanks for having me absolutely thank you for coming on i really appreciate it oh my pleasure First question that's always the fun one. How are you? I'm good. Um, I feel like the transition from summer to fall, it was tricky and hanging in there, I guess. Trying to find ways to make the rest of the year interesting and doable. I know that you're in a different schedule, obviously, just with working with TV, right? When you're on a job, but you're a travel enthusiast. Is summer when you normally travel or at the very least kind of getting out more? Yeah, in the past, summer has been sort of when I go on like some crazy trip. But uh, this year, not happening. I have a friend that I would travel somewhere internationally with usually yeah. during the summer between seasons of, of whatever I was working on. But yeah, this time I'm trying to find other things to do. Actually, just today, I signed on to this thing called um, Weird Home Tours. Mm-hmm. And I just booked, I'm going to do like a all-day tour of houses in Austin on Saturday that's all over, you know, online. It's actually interesting if you open up your mind to like having experiences online that you would never get to have easily without traveling. There's actually some really interesting stuff that you can dig into. So I've been trying to do that as much as I can. That's really cool. I, I hadn't heard about something like that before, but I do like the idea of kind of getting creative with it. Mm-hmm. Figuring out ways to, I mean, not that obviously it's in any way comparable, but to bridge that gap to kind of affirm some form of relative normalcy during this. Yeah, I like to go to a lot of theater. And, you know, obviously it's not possible right now, but some really interesting people have been, like, putting theater online. Yeah. So, you know, the National Theater in London put a bunch of shows online that had never been before online before that you could watch for free. And then there's this theater called the Belarus Free Theater mm-hmm. that did this really awesome show that was all like all the actors were in their apartments online basically and they were they just I watched the show I had to like get up at eight in the morning to watch it live (laughs) and they were like handing like props across like uh windows you know like creating these kind of illusions so they could do the whole play oh interesting and it was translated and it was just like something I never would have thought to go see or look for if I hadn't been forced to like think outside the box and figure out ways but also it wouldn't have been online if there wasn't a lockdown so it's kind of this cool opportunity in certain ways to see stuff that otherwise you'd have to travel around the world to see you mentioned the uh, the national theater and that's something that i've not had the opportunity to tune into yet but i was so bummed that i didn't get to see because they aired the frankenstein oh yeah with Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller. Yeah, that one was pretty cool. I, I saw that, to see that when they. So basically, yeah, um, National Theater used to air their shows like in movie theaters, and so yeah. you would go to Universal Studios, whatever, and just like watch a one-off, like King Lear or whatever, in one theater on one night. And so that was like one of my favorite things to do before lockdown, and hopefully it'll come back. But in the meantime got to figure it out but frankenstein was a good one i want to ask you you've worked on previous shows like the ones that i mentioned but with briar patch it's an interesting situation because you're working for somebody andy greenwald who adapted it previous to this to making briar patch was a tv critic and a previous to that a music writer how was it a different experience if at all to work for somebody with that perspective yeah it was interesting like he's you know he's 
a longtime critic. He's a pretty prolific TV critic and actually remained, he kept critiquing TV while we were working on Briar Patch, which I thought was a little crazy. Um, but yeah. he, <laughs> I'd be like, no, you're making a show. Stop talking about shows. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, he also has like great taste because of that. Like he knows what music he likes. He knows what TV he likes. And so, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I mean, Andy's a really smart guy and Briar Patch was his favorite book. He definitely knew exactly what he wanted from it from the very beginning. And it was just about, you know, working for him, trying to like actualize that however, in whatever way. But he, he definitely like, he knows what he he's interested in. And that's kind of the, the quality of a critic that I think is really uh, kind of interesting and fun. So discussing like ex- other experiences had in other sets, he's thinking about shows he loves and how do you actualize that into, into what we're doing, which it's just, it's just a different process. I enjoyed it though. It was a fun show to work on. It's interesting. That makes sense too. I guess that in some ways he, he didn't have any habits to undo. <laughs> exactly. Habit, you know? Yeah. So, that's interesting. I, I know that I'd heard him on podcasts and read his writing and definitely came off, uh, has come off as a very informed, intelligent guy. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. And yeah. And I guess that's part of being, I guess that critic that is interesting, or at least might help to your point of he knew what he did and didn't like. And so that's very defined. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting trait of somebody who's like, A, a first time showrunner, B, has been studying TV all forever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was an, it was an interesting job in that way of, and you know, most of what he knew about making TV was from conversations he'd had with showrunners, interviews and stuff like that. And so hearing stories about a, the, a writer's room versus being in one. I know You're the Worst, which is God, such a good show. Yeah, that, was a, a, good that was a great job. I loved working on You're the Worst, but thank you. What was that. it like? <laughs> it's so it's so funny. And everybody in it is just so good. The writing is so good. Oh, thank you. What was it like moving from kind of this, almost a dramedy, but it's definitely dark comedy, to something more surreal like Briar Patch? Is that more the direction that you always wanted to go in, or is it just a new challenge, or what? Yeah, I was trying to move over to drama for a while because apart from like working with UCB and stuff, I also was a playwright and the plays that I wrote were a little bit more dramatic. And so I always knew that I wanted to have some experience working in like darker stuff. Like the first thing I worked in after after You're the Worst was actually Locking Key for Hulu, which is like straight horror. It didn't end up going and it became a Netflix show, but I did get to work on a couple months of that. And it was a really interesting experience moving from like something where you're doing joke punch up and writing. Uh, primarily comedy to with some drama to then doing like what this was which was you know what became the stuff I worked on later which is more dramatic with I think everything has to be have like some humor like character humor but Mm -hmm. the uh the transition was I don't know I really enjoy both sides of it I imagine is it difficult when you get put in some I mean it's a good problem to have I suppose because you're it means you're working but is it difficult to get out of a certain box when you're pegged as like more of a comedy person as opposed to drama or just dark comedy? Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely like for me, the process was like I had to just write a new sample, mm-hmm. which was straight drama. And then I had to do like kind of all the beginner's work of meeting everybody for a few months while I was working on You're the Worst. So like after work, I would go and have drinks with people that like worked in drama. And then after almost a year of that, I got my first drama job. But you also need someone to like take a risk on you because if you are considered to be a comedy writer, then sometimes letting you into a drama room, like someone has to be like, I'm gonna let you into a drama room and if you suck, it's my fault. So that's like a, a transition moment. It's like, it's almost like getting your first job. So in my case, it was actually Carlton Cuse who was running Lock and Key who decided to hire me. 
which was very nice of him, and I appreciate that. Yeah, Hollywood seems, I mean, I guess it's everything, but especially with uh, just how competitive it is and how difficult it is to get just everything that you can or the opportunities you have. But it definitely feels like it's very much based on proof of concept. We have to know what you can do. But Mm -hmm. then again, it's like, how do I get the opportunity to do a thing if I've never done that to prove that I can do it? Oh, it's so crazy. Yeah, it's like the thing about other jobs about like, I can't give you a job without any job experience. (laughs) But but also like, yeah, filtered through like very specific types of like, how do I know? Like I was just up for another horror writing job. And they were like, well, your, your samples like a thriller. And it's not a horror it's not horror, but I was like, I'd written on horror shows, but they were just like, still like, we're reading like the thing years your sample and it's not just like a ghost show and we're doing a ghost show. So how on earth yeah. can we know that you can write a ghost show? <laughs> and it's like, I don't know how to answer that question. If you can't like imagine that I could, I'm also not a ghost. Like maybe, maybe I can't get in the mind. <laughs> but uh, some people and some people will take big risks and be like, oh yeah, there should be like comedy people in this horror room and and want more like crazy voices. And other people are like, it has to be exactly what the sh- like. If you don't have something you've written that's almost exactly what this show is, then yeah. how do I know you can do it? So that's like, <laughs> and that's so the, those are the two kinds of showrunners too. It's like not just it's or the, there's many kinds of showrunners I should say. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, it's like how much imagination do you have in terms of what you can imagine people can do and risks you're willing to take (laughs) of what they might not be able to be as good at, but might get better at, you know, people like learn to do things. Anyway, it's, (laughs) it's like, well, how did you get to this point to where you're trying to hire me to do the thing? Yeah. And they're like, well, we're the ones who ask the questions around here. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, don't. I've only I wrote this show. I woke up in in a cocoon, and I this show was already made. Um. Yeah. Like, how can you write for a ghost show? Well, I kind of almost drowned in a lake one time. Is that close enough? <laughs> exactly. I crossed over. I met all the ghosts. They are the other writers in the room. You'll be the only living person. <laughs> I watched Flatliners a bunch of times. Is that good? <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah, to your point, it's like hopefully for, you know, being in that position that you can find somebody to take that chance to then open that door because it, it just seems almost inexplicable sometimes. Yeah, it can be tricky. And especially well, the th- one thing that's kind of interesting about about this whole era is that even though production is in a really precarious place, people are much more willing to meet people because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. And I think you've I heard you talking to like Tim Kalpakis about this, too. It's just easier to meet somebody if you just can do it from your like your porch. So I've gotten to meet some people I think I wouldn't have been able to meet otherwise because it would have been a hassle yeah. and they they're all busy and stuff. But if you yeah. could just sort of like pop in and be like, hey, hey, what's up? And they're like, I'm in North Carolina, and you're like, cool. <laughs> it's like there's all kind of these weird ins, and it's the same thing I was talking about with like the Belarus thing, the Belarus theater, yeah. like. You can meet people that are in other countries. You can meet people that are sort of like in the middle of production or in the middle of, of something. And usually couldn't take the time. But now, like, what is time? It's all fluid. Yeah, and it's also like people have less of a reason than ever in that context to say no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's because like, it's like, oh, I can't drive to Century City yeah. right now. It's like, <laughs> you don't, what if you didn't have to? Yeah, there are less, less excuses. Exactly. And also there's more time, I think... Maybe this is just like the position that I've been in lately, but like if somebody's like, hey, will you want to read this 700 page book and see if you want to like try to go in to try to write the script of it? 
I'm like, fuck yeah, I got 700 pages worth of reading in me right now. <laughs> like I'm much more, you know, like, oh, can I just like get an audiobook of it and like wander the earth for 27 hours listening to it? Because I'll do that too. It's like, I feel like there's kind of like a clean slate feeling to be yeah. creative right now where I'm much more willing to like entertain ideas that I normally would be like, I don't know if that's for me and just like think about them and get with different people and talk about talk about anything like do podcasts I normally wouldn't have time to do you know it's just nice to like have a little bit of creative headspace to sort of go further than I usually would because I'm always like hustling usually it's a little bit of a yeah to your point a reset yeah to kind of decompress I mean as much as one can in this situation but decompress a little bit at least you know creatively because you're just not like maybe the the little day-to-day stresses of going out in the real world consistently and just chipping away at your ability to to have some form of clarity mm-hmm. can go a long way yeah for sure or just to like entertain a thought for longer than normal yeah I mean it's <laughs> it's, like, it's weird you know as much as we lack so much control in this but in terms of being more at home you do have more control over the things that are competing for your attention yeah for sure um what's keeping you busy during the day these days i'm just trying not to lose my mind oh for sure that's i don't even know what that necessarily what that means day to day it's just in a weird way i wish i could do have the same five things every day so I could just like count on those. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't want that because I can get really complacent easily. And then I blink and it's been like three months. Yeah, for sure. And I can get bored easily too. So it's like, I don't know. I'm just trying to just trying to figure out what it is that I think I need that day. That's nice. I feel like that's actually really healthy. I hope so. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I'm, I've done okay, all things considered. But I don't know. It's just this entire thing is just so unfathomable that I don't even know what to do half the time. Yeah. And I'm trying to get comfortable with the fact that it's okay not to know. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's nice to find some things that are like go-tos if I'm having like yes. a really shitty time. Like, oh, I can do this like dumb online yoga thing and it'll, it'll make me feel like 88% better. And so at least I know that I have that in my pocket. Yes. But there's no like, you can't power through the to the end of it. And you can't like fix all of it in any way. Like it's all just going to be, I don't know, it's interesting. I feel like I've had to like consider my mental health a lot more than I ever have in my life during these last For few sure. months. Because I'm usually, I can usually like just power through whatever's going on. And now it's like, oh no, it's time to really kind of think about this stuff and figure out what's going on and what are my mechanisms and what are my like, what are my bad coping mechanisms? What are my more healthy ones? But it's like better to have this conversation now than never have it. No, absolutely. And I do understand. I mean, I'm not making excuses for them. To a certain degree, I understand people kind of like, you know, losing their shit because we're all having to deal with things that a lot of us, certainly myself, have been avoiding for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we just have to sit with ourselves and process these things. And, and these are not easy things to process or to face. And that's why, you know, at least for me, I, again, I've been avoiding them. But it's good because this shit's going to manifest itself one way or the other. Yeah, for sure. I have a friend, one of my best friends is a therapist. And she says that, like, specifically recently, people have been just like all sorts of mental health issues have become really, really, if you have something, it's like manifesting now. You know, if, yeah. and it's all at once for everyone. <laughs> so yeah. it makes me like a little bit more empathetic when somebody just like chases me and flips me off like on the middle of the street. Like I'm like, 
whatever, yeah. buddy. Like, I get it. Like, it sucks. It's right? almost like, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> or just like, I'm not going to question it. You do you. Uh, just don't kill me. Not today, but otherwise we're good. Yeah. I am, you know, I'm trying to, to like empathize with people. And, and granted, it really does depend on the day and my <laughs> yeah. ability to fully view that. But I also understand that like, God, this is all so difficult. You know, you can't quantify. Psychologically, you can't process what COVID is exactly. Mm -hmm. There's no villain that we can see and then we can undo. There are no answers. And we're all used to having that control or that illusion of control and we don't have it. And it's so difficult. I know. But then also, like, it's really hard to not, like, I take my, like, stepdaughter once a week. We go get boba. Yeah. We have, like, a little ritual where we do it when she's done with school. And, like, you know, just seeing, like, a bunch of people, like, without masks on or, like, uh, or, yeah. like, having having a meal outdoors that I can judge, like, <laughs> like a whole <laughs> ton of people, like, just crowded into, like, the El Torito. I'm like, what are you doing? Why do you have to go to El Torito? It's stupid. Yeah. It's like, this it's like is what a, about this is necessary? This isn't fine dining. You could be eating this in a park. <laughs> And uh, it's hard not to be like, fuck you. You're the problem. They're not the problem. The problem is, like, the government and the disease. But to, it's yes. hard to not just, like, look around and point fingers and, and get suddenly just, like, f extremely judgmental. Oh, no, I get there, too. Yeah. And, I, and sometimes I indulge it in, a obviously, an incredibly passive way. I never say anything. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm just kind of excising those emotions uh -huh. as, like, a, just like an anger dump. <laughs> yeah. To put it very elegantly, just something because I, you know, I feel like again, it's you got to feel all of the feels, and mm -hmm. and it's good just to get it out so long as you know I'm not hurting myself or, or other people. For sure, but all that is valid, certainly. Yeah, it is. It is very valid. So, what have you been doing too, outside of possibly taking Austin-based tours of uh. homes? Well, actually, like, um, just to that point, like the first three months of quarantine, I like I worked on this game. That then mm. we, it was a, uh, I got with some friends of mine that do immersive theater and we created an online alternate reality game that we basically oh, cool. took the first month and a half to write and design. And then we dropped in the, in May. So it ran for the whole month of May. And that was like all encompassing in terms of once it was going, we were like, we had like thousands of people playing and they would DM us on Instagram as the characters just like all day. So I could just like <laughs> shut my brain off and just be talking to these strangers, like literally constantly for like 24 hours for oh, a whole wow. month. And it was really cool because I was doing it in character. I wasn't even being myself. So I got to have these kind of abstract conversations with total strangers or some people that I knew were playing too. So it was a combination of like, like UCB people and then just like people who lived in Europe, just randos. That's cool. Yeah, that was really cool. And when that was over, that became like a thing where being like, okay, now I have to actually figure out what to do. But that was actually a really <laughs> cool, another thing I wouldn't have been able to do if I hadn't been in lockdown because I never would have sure. like found, forced myself to find the time. But that was like a really fun, creative experience. Now I'm trying to, and I, then I also like went really hard into like cooking and running i was like i'm gonna run this enormous amount of mileage every month and i was like i'm gonna cook all this really elaborate stuff and i kind of hit the wall with all that and now i'm just trying to find more balance yeah. and just sort of figure out day-to-day -day ways to live that are more chill still creative but not being like so competitive with myself that i get stressed out or i get bummed out because i you know none of those strategies ended up working out <laughs> They none of them fixed <laughs> fixed me. They're a nice idea at the time. Yeah, and it was a fun experiment. But also, it's like I don't need to live uh, so super hard 
right now. So now I'm trying to find like a nice chill way to do the next couple months. Yeah, I do. Th- I feel like I almost, um, I don't know. I almost said it romanticized what this could be. But then mm-hmm. again, obviously I didn't know that we would be, this would be happening six months later. Oh, I thought it would be like three months. And I'll be like, oh, I did, yeah. this would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, and I then, did too. I did too in yeah. a weird way of like, well, this is uh, frightening, but it is also a little bit of an oasis in some ways. Yeah, I don't think, I think hitting the six month mark was really like a, okay, like no one's in charge. We are in charge of ourselves. <laughs> no one's going to get yeah. us out of this. It's wild. I try to think about it like, all I can do is be in theory, hopefully, like kind and thoughtful towards other people and not be an asshole, not wearing a mask mm-hmm. who might endanger myself. But also the thing I think about more is just endangering other people and being that person that spreads it it's just yeah the consideration has to go both i say this as if that's not how life should be Mm -hmm. but especially right now we've got to be mindful of that yeah and also just that means like not going places you don't need to go and keeping distance and like yeah you know eventually like running got stressful for me because i i would keep my distance and run and it's just like there's so many people out there and i was like oh this is more trouble like almost getting hit by a car every time I run is like not yeah, fun. Yeah. So I finally was like, okay, I'm going to figure out other things to do. I don't need to run every day for like an hour. If it was just yeah, normal like, times and you could just run on the sidewalk of people on the sidewalk, it'd be different, but can't. Well, it's like want versus need. Exactly. And it like, yeah, the, eventually the benefits were outweighed. So that's fine. A couple weeks, two, three weeks ago, I went for just a, a, an appointment at a hospital and it was the first time i'd really like been out and around people mm. i mentioned this before but it, it was overwhelming yeah just realizing and remembering okay i got masked but now oh a lot of people are here that's overwhelming i'm not used to people right now social distancing and and what am i touching and what do i need to do it was just it was so much to do yeah i've been leaving the house like every day to go somewhere and even if it's just like a yeah. drive around or something i'm trying to like normalize just being out but even if it's but i you know avoiding crowds but like driving to somewhere i've never been before or like getting take yes. out from some weird part of town because there's no traffic right now so i'm trying to do that within the the rules and i feel like that's been good just mentally just to remind myself like the world exists and there's ways to navigate it without being irresponsible. Yeah. Have you seen, have you able to see them friends or at all? Or are you just communicating them just from the house? I've done a couple now like outdoor distanced hangs, mm-hmm. probably like just a handful, but it's been really nice. I feel like that's really important. And you know, if you've got a yard that you can like sit across a yard from somebody, I feel like that's a really nice way to mix it up. I've also tried to just keep in touch on Zoom and stuff. But yeah, I, I went for like a walk with one of my friends when they were like uh, pushing their kid in a stroller. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's that's nice. And what about you? Have you seen anybody or have you avoided that? I've not. I've avoided it, but I think I, I've realized that it's just become... I need to, to redefine what I'm doing in all of this. Meaning, you know, it was like the first couple of months. I'm like, yeah, just not going to be around people. But I was through the prism of this isn't going to last six months. And then that's kind of just become the habit. And I need to realize and, and to recalibrate because this is the new normal for the foreseeable future. And I need to see people and I absolutely need to see my friends. So I'm, I'm having to redefine that. Yeah. Well, there's ways to like kind of tiptoe into it that for sure with your own like feeling out like the, the ways that you're comfortable and you don't have to hang out with people if they're not following the rules that 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 work for you you know it's like a negotiation 
yeah, all, all the proper guidelines will be followed because, I yeah, I'm I'm immunocompromised, so I certainly don't. Uh, you, yeah, you got to. If I you know if I get this, I am done. Yeah. So I don't obviously not worth it, but at the same time, like I miss my friends, and, and to your point, there are plenty of ways you can do it without putting yourself or the other person or other people in harm's way by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you're outdoors and you're masked and you're keeping distance, you can you can do it, but. You know, you clearly you've got concerns that mean you have to be extra on top of it, which you have every right to be. So I hope yeah. you do get to see your friends, though. Oh, well, thank you. I do, too. I I think I just, too, went too rigid toward it in retrospect. But just because it was just like, OK, well, I'm just not going to see people for this long. And then you blink and it's been six months. So, like I said, I just need to recalibrate. Have you I want to ask you. You wrote the game. You said that mm-hmm. you're writing for like the first month. How was that writing a game? Is that something you'd always wanted to do or did you previously work on a game? I've always like thought games were really, I love playing games and stuff, but I can't really mm-hmm. write puzzles. But the thing that's really was fun about this process was that we have a puzzle expert that's part of our team. So oh, cool. you can kind of write the emotional beats of the game and then the puzzle master who's this amazing, he's like an escape room designer named Tommy Haunton. He's the one who comes up with the world of all the puzzles and grades them from like easier ones to more difficult ones and actually like designs them kind of once we understood who the players were and how they broke down in terms of like the types of players, he would mm-hmm. make specific puzzles for like the hardcore players and other ones for the casual players and stuff like that. So as someone who's like can't write a puzzle, is not great at doing puzzles, being able to, but understands like the emotional beats of a narrative and a game. It was a really fun yeah. way to get my foot in without actually having to do <laughs> the impossible part for me of, of games. Yeah, I wouldn't even know where to begin with creating a game. I feel like that definitely takes a specific type of brain. Yeah. Certainly one one that I lack. That's a very curious mind to be able to do that, but having him to bridge that gap of you don't have to do all of it now. I bet, well, yeah, I bet that was a really fun challenge. Yeah, it was super fun. Like, it was one of the most fun things I've done. And, you know, just having this, like, especially when things were so weird, like, these really personal conversations. I'd be in character as one of the characters, and people would just sort of, like, talk about their lives, almost like it was, like, therapy. And yeah. in character, I got to, like, kind of bounce stuff back at them or just, you know, be supportive or like goof with them you know it was really uh it was cool and then and then watch we were watching like the the chats where we were kind of creeping on like a discord where they would talk to each other and they'd be like jay just said this to me (laughs) and they'd be like what (laughs) so i got to like watch the immediate uh response also from the players of like what they thought the conversation they just had meant and i was like haha i can see that um (laughs) it was cool i like i mean that's kind of why I like TV as well and theater is because it gets made and then you get to see people's reaction pretty soon after. So, you know. Well, yeah, definitely as opposed to movies where it's just, each movie is just a miracle just that they even get made. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I imagine too that with television and granted movies are part of it too that, I don't know, I would imagine there are a lot more opportunities to get on shows with all of these streaming services needing content right now. It's true, like for writing, but also then there's a question like, at what point do we get to film anything? So I think everybody's like yeah. buying a lot of scripts or write, like opening a lot of writer's rooms, but the idea is like, hopefully one day yeah. we can shoot it. Um, so that's the big question mark right now. I think 
some sets are opening up and we'll see if it's safe or not, you know. When you're looking to get on a show, I mean, obviously you're looking at it through the prism of what you'd want to write on, but are you also maybe looking at it through the prism of thinking whether this will get made or not? Um, I wasn't until I worked on two back-to-back shows that got shut down, um, yeah. both for Hulu, and it was like, oh, there is like a, it is tough to like put that much heart and work into something and then have it kind of mm-hmm. get tossed out. So I do think about it a little bit in terms of like, is this a long shot? Or is this definitely going forward? Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit different. I think that's more for a writer's room. I think it's a little bit different when you're developing something. Like, I'm willing to work on something kind of weird that might be a long shot if it's just me. Because it's more of, like, a personal project. Um, But, yeah, the hard part for me is just, like, being in a writer's room with a bunch of people that you really care about for months. And then just being like, bye. Like, uh, this is never happening. <laughs> it's all going in the trash. Yeah, I would say, I don't know how you couldn't get invested in something like that and to yeah. not get the fulfillment of seeing it come to fruition. Yeah. Yeah, that would really suck. You have to invest yourself for it to be, like, worth worth it at all, you know? You can't just sure. be, like, it's like a relationship. You can't just have, like, one foot out the door the whole time and also make something worthwhile. So Yeah, like some emotionless uh, mercenary. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Is there anything you want to point people toward before we wrap it up? If people are interested in these online experiences I was talking about earlier, there's a really great uh, website, atlasobscura.com, which okay. is, which curates a bunch of like online kind of educational, esoteric experiences around the world. And I just found that weird home tour off of their website. And uh, it's cool. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Yeah. And I'd also like uh, a person who was actually a character in the game that I did. Oh, I'll just give you the website for the game as well. It's arcana-game.com, A-R-C-A-N-A. If people want to read the walkthrough of the game, which has all the links so you can kind of experience it in real time, we have it up there. And you can get on our mailing list as well. And I also want to promote, there's a a historian that became part of our game who's a LA historian who's doing a lot of really cool online tours and lectures right now. Her name's Mm -hmm. Hadley Mears. And um, yeah, I just want to promote her as another outlet for just having weird online experiences while this is still happening. (laughs) I got to do some of those. They sound really cool. It's fun. It's a fun way to just break stuff up and have like a weird, a weird time. Good. I could use that right now, I think. That'd be really fun. Thank you again for being on. Like, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, thank you. And uh, it's been it's been great. I really appreciate the podcast. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. And of course, thank you all for listening. Just please wear a mask. Be safe. Be kind to yourself and other people. And yeah, stay safe. Thank you again. Bye.